Sumitra Naidu on Kaya FM 95.9. Right, they say the only things in life that are certain are death and taxes. Even though you know you must pay taxes, it's still something many investors overlook when making plans for their retirement portfolios, you know, and, and other products. Financial advisors always tell us that without the right tax planning, your real returns could take a bigger hit than you originally planned. So today we will look at how taxes affect your investments and long-term financial goals. And to help us do that, I'm joined now by Gerald Wandiambira. He is uh, the acting CEO and chief strategist for the South African Savings Institute. Gerald, always good to chat to you. Always a pleasure and good evening to all the Kayakam listeners. So thanks so much for your time. I mean, we're looking at savings and investments. And these are often things that, you know, we we, we always push the savings. We always say to people, please save, please uh, do something, make sure that you have something for your future. And we go into these things and not realizing that they are taxes and fees payable when you when you when you take these savings out. Um, how do we go through it? I think maybe what we should start with, Gerald, is maybe take us through the different taxes that we need to look out for. Well, I think, you know, the, the, the first thing is a lot of people need to just differentiate between what they term um, a savings um, mm-hmm. product or solution is versus an investment product or solution. Now, typically, savings are defined as um, assets which you want liquid and maybe used on call um, short term. So typically when you're looking at savings, it's, it's assets which you might need for uh, whatever purpose in the near future. And savings therefore defines things like emergency funds um, or funds for a holiday or a project you're working on. And that also then would limit the number of opportunities for you to find a solution to grow that money. Typically with a savings, you're not necessarily looking for growth or what they call capital appreciation. Mm-hmm. You're more interested in it being on call and trying to maintain its value. When you look at investments, you're looking at a slightly longer term investment horizon. And that really means that you've got, you're looking at money or an asset which you don't need on call in the short term. And you're willing to risk downside in favor of it growing over time. And once you've decided your particular goal, then you can then go to the next step, which is to select the options or solutions of the market. Okay, so Gerald, just going back to the differentiation, right? So if we're doing savings, and yes, maybe it's not long-term, it's more an emergency fund, it's, you know, your safekeeping for a rainy day, something happens. But if you're saving in there, you're earning interest every month, but when you're doing your income tax returns, there would be a portion on that because it's being seen as income generated, right? Yes, um, there, there is a there is an amount of tax which you are exempt on, on income on savings or savings accounts, mm-hmm. um, and obviously once you exceed this amount, then it's deemed as income in your hands, and you be taxed at your normal marginal rate. Marginal rate meaning your normal average tax rate would apply to those particular savings. Do we know what's the amount? What is the amount? I think the last time we saw it was 23. Um, if, you give me, if you give me a few seconds, we can carry on talking. 
I'll pull it up and and okay. I'll share it with you. All right. So that's interesting to understand how much you can actually save without being taxed. But once you and you don't see it on a regular basis, it's only on a yearly. Um, uh, w- when you're doing your yearly assessments for taxes, when you're filing out your uh, t- uh, taxes, um, then then you would be, uh, you know, this would actually be given to SARS from the bank that you have a, a savings account somewhere and you have earned so much of interest on this and this is how much tax now you do need to pay on that. So we need to also differentiate between the tax-free savings account and your normal savings. And this is why this has been incentivized. This is why we've been told go the tax-free savings route because you don't get taxed. And that's up to, what, 500000 um over a lifetime period that you won't get taxed on. Right, Gerald? That's correct. So you can basically put up to 36000 rand per annum up to a lifetime limit of thirty of five hundred thousand. So you're right on the tax free savings account. Okay. So uh so then we have an amount that is um there is an amount that we can reach on a normal savings. Um and then I think that's twenty three thousand. Hold on a sec. I also have it here somewhere. So um you have that amount. So you need to check that. These are important things that you need to look out for. I've spoken to so many people um, just in recent days and um, they're complaining firstly about the interest rate being so low. Um, you know, their, their benefits, uh, their advantages and disadvantages of having the interest rate this low. So it's definitely a disadvantage for your savings because you're earning very little interest on it. But, um, you know, going forward, uh, you know, the conversation that I was having with these people, you know, people were saying that, um, you know, you get taxed on everything. You, you, you are being pushed to save and then you save and then you get taxed because now it's, you know, it's that time of year. People are filing out their taxes and this is where you're getting hit. Um, this is where it's coming through that you, you have this, you have the savings kept away and it's just, it's earning interest and it's growing nicely, but you are having to pay taxes for it on an annual basis. Yeah, so the- um, yes, unfortunately in life, there's nothing that's uh, certain <laughs> except debt and taxes. Absolutely. And yes, um, the taxman or receiver revenue will always have a say in terms of your investments. I mean, there's different types of taxes. Um, there's normal income tax. Mm-hmm. So, Income tax is the one which is your normal income, which is taxed at a certain rate, and you've got the tax bands. And when you breach a certain band, the rate goes up and applies to the next amount. And when you average all these bands and the rates you're paying, that's then called your marginal tax rate. If you then look at certain investments, they attract what I what they call capital gains tax. Yep. Take us through that. Okay, capital gains tax is a tax which um, is on gains on investment. So, for example, if I bought 100 shares for one rand, um, that's 100 rand, I bought the shares today. And then I sell them next year at um, 200 rand. They would tax the gains, 40% of the amount of the gain Mm I had made. So... For example, um, 200 grand, so I've made an extra 100 grand, so up to 40% is then taxable via capital gains 
Um, and obviously, this is a tax which a lot of people um, overlook because it, it's not it's not commonly discussed or known. And because a lot of investments, the capital gains is actually done um, by the fund manager on your behalf. So you don't actually see it when you receive your IRP5 or which is your statement of tax paid Mm -hmm. at the end of the investment year. So capital gains is something to look out for. Um, For example, capital gains on a a home. The first 2 million rand you sell your primary residence is capital gains free. That's That's only if you have a second property, right? Well, even your primary residence can attract capital gains if it is valued at more than 2 million rand. So the first 2 million rand is tax-free, but okay. if it exceeds that value, then um, it, it will start to potentially attract um, the capital gains. But all investment properties and second properties, etc., which you don't actually live in, mm-hmm. will attract that capital gains tax. I mean, you're just looking at now, I mean, we in recent months, we had a bit of a property boom because the interest rates came so low um, and a lot of people and, and there were a lot of first time buyers, but people that did have some extra money on hand went in to buy a second or third property as an investment, you know, to rent it out, to create some income there. But that all will attach, uh, will attract capital gains tax. Yes, but remember the capital gains tax is only applicable when you dispose when you're of selling. the property. When you're selling. So every year you don't need to panic. And mm-hmm. as long as you're holding the asset, you're not attracting it. But the day you decide to dispose of it, then it becomes an issue. But as much as tax can be seen as uh, a burden, it can also be an advantage, for example, on your investment properties, all the expenses you spend on maintenance and um, expenses related to that property are deductible against your tax. So, for example, you know, you've spent 50000 or um, X amount renovating, fixing up a, a property. You can actually reduce your tax liability by claiming that deduction. So you need to really um, essentially speak or have a financial planning professional to help you with regards to your tax affairs, especially once you start talking investments and savings, because that's where it really can get quite tricky. And if you aren't um, working with someone who's helping you, you can end up um, with huge tax bills. Because remember with SARS, um, if they're looking into your tax affairs, they can go as far as 10, 15 years back. So it's not one of those, oh, it only happened this year. They can actually um, backdate and look at your tax affairs going going backwards. So I would definitely say to any listener who's really got a lot of investments in their portfolio, keep an eye out on your tax liability. Obviously, you can also have a tax benefit by understanding all the deductions which you can also make, for example, with your retirement annuity. Um, there's an amount you can... Um, put into your retirement annuity. I think the last one for the last year was 325000 You could put into a retirement annuity and you could claim it back. So essentially all the money you put into your RA, you get it back in that same tax year, which is a nice 
um, a nice advantage if you understand mm. how to make it work for for your investing. Let's let's go through that in a bit. Um, I have a few more minutes with you. About seven minutes. It's about thirteen minutes past eight at the moment. Afropolitans, call in if you'd like mm. to know anything. If you want uh, any of your questions answered, Gerald is on the line with us for a few more minutes. The number is zero eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. Okay, so let's just look a little bit more about uh, on the retirement annuities. I mean, this is um, this is a tax benefit for you if you take out a retirement annuity because um, you basically get up to twenty percent back, right? Well, you get up to three hundred and twenty-five thousand, mm-hmm. and that was the previous tax year. Unfortunately, I don't have this year's tax table mm-hmm. in front of me right now. But look, if you got that kind of money to put aside, it means you get it back as a deduction, which essentially means that you're investing. Um, the, the government isn't incentivizing you yeah. to invest into your retirement because they're giving it all back to you mm-hmm. as a deduction. <laughs> so it's invest one rand, get one rand back. That's an excellent deal. The, the thing is, most listeners would be saying, who has that kind of money? But a lot of people um, don't understand that um, many people take advantage of this deduction at the end of the tax year. So in the last week or so, you'd have noticed a lot of the um, assurers would have been advertising retirement and mm. retirement annuities. And the reason is because of the deduction, because a lot of people don't do that 325000 through the whole year. They'll wait until the last week of February, <laughs> and then they'll make that contribution, and then they'll get it back as a deduction the next week, in the next tax year. Wow, starts. here's so, ways so of working starts. around it. Yeah, so, so, so that then means that they don't actually end up being out of pocket, but they actually get that benefit. Um, but remember, any retirement product should be part mm. of a... Uh, an all holistic planning process because RAs work for certain people and everything is dependent on your investment pro- profile, which is means which means are you willing to take certain risks if you're very conservative or not? So you know, don't always go and take up solutions because of media, but rather understand mm. how it impacts on your overall investment um, picture. So I would definitely normally say. Start off with your emergency fund. Um, once you've reached your emergency fund uh, target, then I would definitely say, look, you must have tax-free savings. Reach that limit. Then when you've done your tax-free savings limit, then step into the retirement um, annuity as well. Because the retirement annuity works a lot like a tax-free savings because when you receive that money um, at retirement mm. in your hands, um, the tax has been removed. But... Um, the, the difference is that with a tax free savings account, that money can be accessed in an emergency. Whereas once the money is in an RA, um, unless you're emigrating or you're disabled and, uh, and unable to work, you have to wait until you're 55 years yeah. old. And I think that's what, I mean, I mean you know, it's, it's also something that you have to do. You have to take care of your future, your later years. Um, we were just talking about this last week. Only 6% of the population have enough retirement savings so they can retire comfortably. That is an think, alarming yeah. figure. I think that number is probably much lower because the other thing mm. which people are not taking into account, Anita, is that we're living longer. Yep. So, you know, 
how much is enough when you don't know whether you're going to live until 95 yeah. or 105. And those are some of the challenges um, which you then sit down with your um, financial planning professional to decide, okay, when you retire, are you going for a guaranteed annuity? Would you pay you until you die regardless how long you live? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to take a gamble and say, no, you know, my family doesn't have long life expectancy. Um, I'll be gone by 80 and hope for the best. Look, I think the thing to... Not the worst. <laughs> yeah. So I think the thing to remember here is that no matter what amount you're putting into the retirement annuity, it is important that you do put it away because you need something for the future. And if you want to keep something, as you say, that you won't be able to, you know, you won't be able to access that um, anytime soon, diversify. So have different things. But the retirement annuity, no matter how much you're putting in, you do get a percentage back because it is incentivized. So you well, do... Well, it's incentivized. So mm. essentially every, up to, up to that 325,000 rand, you're going to get it back. Yeah. As the deduction. So it's, there is no excuse not to do that because it's essentially the government um, incentivizing you to save for retirement. And yes, there's the downside that you have to wait until you retire. But it's one rand you put in and you got back exactly. the, the next tax year. So you actually made no loss, but you made a gain in that when you retire, you've got something or a net tag. Because remember when the budget was announced, I think the... Um, old age pension, the state one is just about a thousand, thousand one hundred or thousand two hundred. Mm-hmm. And do you want to be that person who is surviving on that amount of money? And also, you know, our children are no longer retirement plans as we grew up, um, or as our parents grew up, to, you know, knowing that we'd look after them because. With the mobility in the world today, your children could be in a, another part of the world. And many children now call it black tax the moment yeah. you say, help yeah. me. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Gerald, before we go, um, there's one more tax, the dividends tax. So I think we spoke about this very briefly at the beginning on uh, shares, on shares that you buy. Yes. So, okay. So remember when you invest in a, in a, in a share, there's two components to your investment. There's the growth or the capital appreciation, i.e. the price of your share going up. And when that goes up and you sell it in the future, capital gains applies. Okay. Now, the other component of investing in a share is that shares pay out dividends. These are a share of the profits, which are declared every year. And that attracts dividend tax. So when you invest in a share, you've got both income and you've got capital appreciation. And there's two types of taxes to tackle um, that. One is the capital gains. The other one is the dividend tax. So, so that's how it works. Similarly with the property, there's a growth of capital appreciation in the price of your property, which attracts capital gains. And again, if you um, are getting rental income, that then falls under your normal income tax. So you need to try and understand which taxes are attracted by the different solutions you may choose um, to invest in. If you invest in a company um, directly like venture capital or private venture, just also know that corporate tax applies um, and everything you make in that company is not necessarily um, yours to enjoy. 
Yeah. I think it's so important when you're doing the calculation, especially if you're saving towards something and you find that, you know, this, you work it out and you say, you know, after so many years with this amount of interest, this is how much I'm going to have. And you don't realize that when you cash it up, that you may be short because you have to pay over these taxes. And you know what? Every rand counts. Every rand counts. And mm. I mean, I know like they've annuitized the provident fund. Same thing. If you withdraw your provident fund or pension fund, don't forget there's tax. Mm. So when you look at your pension fund statement and you see, ha, ah, three million, you're right. No, you're not all right because that <laughs> three million is probably going to be taxed at 30%. So you need to realize that they have two million. So, so these are the things. And hence, you know, even when you die, um, there's the, the, the tax on your estate, oh. 25%, 25%, a quarter of what you're worth is going back to SARS. So hence, people, when they're planning for their death, mm. they take out a specific life policy, which will cover the tax liability so that your your descendants or, those, or your heirs um, are not out of pocket because... Another thing we always overlook is that when we die, the tax is due in cash. Cars don't take cars and chairs and houses. And you know what? SARS takes it first. The money goes there first before it goes to anybody else. So, um, you know what? I, I think we definitely need to have another discussion just on what happens when you die. I mean, because you have to account properly. And the taxes make up a really big part of that. Um, so again, going back to the calculation, when you're leaving mm-hmm. stuff behind mm-hmm. for, um, you know, family, for children, you need to also consider how much tax is going to be paid over. Oh, yes. Um, even your spouse, you actually even, you, even for your spouse. Yep. So your spouse. So you get a lot of situations where when someone dies, your assets rich, but your cash poor. This is it. But SARS work with cash, so they have to liquidate assets, and that messes up a lot of things. So I think we will have that session, and I'll be really, really but much better in terms of having the information <laughs> at hand. But one of the things you need to realize is when you die, your deals yeah. to have been on your way to pay your, mm. your, your annual tax bill. There's so no escaping the tax, first. man. There's no escaping. There's Gerald? No esca- well, there are ways to escape. There's trust, et cetera, but yeah, generally gonna- you can't. Yes, no, you can't. Well, we're going to have to leave you there. Thank you so much for your time this evening, and we'll chat again soon. Gerald Wande Ambira is the acting CEO and chief strategist for the South African Savings Institute. Rewinding, Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.